Why even raise the question? Well, a couple of things. If you've got your message notes, I invite you to follow along. One, we have raised this question because it's the season of Lent. Lent is that 40-day period. It's a 40-day journey that leads us right up to Easter, excluding Sundays. And we take a look at the life of Jesus, his suffering, his self-denial, and his ultimate sacrifice. And so having said that, we have that as a backdrop for asking the question, who is this one named Jesus? The other is, Jesus Christ is the central, most recognized character in Scripture. In fact, he is the central character in all of the Bible. And when it comes to learning about God, why not use our best source Why not use the life of Jesus to learn about Jesus? Why not look at the actions and the events surrounding the life of Jesus when studying about him? And so we're going to look at how he describes himself as the central character in Scripture. And then there's a difference between knowledge and knowing. I may know someone. They may be an acquaintance but do I know them intimately? Do I really know them beyond the superficial? I had the opportunity when in Brunswick uh, to meet the president of the United States at the time. And that is not photoshopped, I got to tell you. And, and, and there's W. Um, it was in an event at the um, law enforcement uh, training facility right outside of Brunswick. And the head of Fletzy said, would you like to meet the president? And I said, Sure, and so uh, I was a part of that group of folks, and he made his way around, and, um, and there was just a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and, and then that question came, can I have your autograph? And I said, sure, Mr. President, no problem. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, w- I was able to meet him, and i got to tell you, that was a real honor. I mean, to meet any president's an honor, but I, I was glad to meet W, and, and, and I-, I told him, I said, hey, I'm a United Methodist pastor. He said, I'm a United Methodist, and I, and I thought, yeah, we got a lot in common here. And, and I talked more and got a few pictures after I pushed the Secret Service guy out of the way, and, and that poor woman next to me. But, um, but in that, it was a great moment because I... I met him. But you know what? I don't know the President of the United States. Not relationally. I encountered him. I had an experience with him briefly. But I don't really know him. And what we want is for you to encounter Christ. We want all of us to encounter Christ at a deeper level. More than just knowing about or maybe just encountering briefly, but going deeper in that relationship with Christ. And so many have suggested, you know, we have a lot of historians, a lot of theologians that have weighed in on who Jesus is, and that's good. That's all helpful. But I am convinced that to really know him more intimately, we need to study his life, his actions, the events around him, and the very words he uses. And so we raise the question, why Jesus? And if Jesus, who is this guy? 
And it may be that you've walked with Christ for 50 years. It may be that you've walked with Christ for 50 days. The wonderful news for all of us is there's, there's room to grow. There's, there's more room for accommodating this one into our lives. And we're confronted with this question. C.S. Lewis in his own life, a skeptic, a brilliant man, uh, who questioned Christianity, later became a convert, and he said, for really every believer or everyone who encounters Christ, they either need to decide he's Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. Which one is he for us? Lord, a liar? Or is he just flat out crazy, a lunatic? Well, we, we look at our sources, and, and, and our source, primary source, is Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and as we look at Jesus, we ask a couple of questions. In fact, he asked some questions. He asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? And so as we struggle with this question, who is Jesus, we remember how he said and posed the question, who do they say that I am? Because he understood that the way in which they would answer that question would help inform how they would follow him. And there were a lot of different answers. Great teacher, rabbi, radical, one who blasphemed Messiah. And so Jesus describes himself as he declares himself as God. And he does it metaphorically. He does it with a lot of imagery. And we're going to look at what we call the I am statements, where Jesus answers the question for us, and who is Jesus? Jesus, introduce yourself to us. We're going to to look into that introduction process or, or that going further in the relationship by answering the I am question. Who is it that you are? I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. Now, if you take the I am phrases, you can link them all the way back to the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, you'll remember the story of Moses and how he was called from Mount Sinai. And God said, I want you to go, and I want you to set my people free. And I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to communicate to the Egyptians that you must let the Israelites go out of their slavery and bondage. And he said, if I go, who is it that I say has sent me? And God responded back, I am that I am. I am that I am. What did he mean by that? That the God that is self-sufficient, the God that stands alone, he doesn't owe anyone for his existence. He was the one and the only one and is the one and the only one true God. I encompass all that is about deity and I am the one God. Isn't it interesting how Jesus said to the crowd when they said, who are you? He said, I am before Abraham. 
before Abraham, I am. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I was in the beginning. I was part of the Godhead. I am part of the Godhead. And at, at the very creation of all that you see, I was there. And now in the incarnation, I am here. I am that I am. And so we see the link between Jesus' deity going all the way back to God proclaiming himself as the great I am in the Old Testament. And so we're going to look at the I am statements and the power in those and the impact they can have on us and how we follow Jesus. And so today we look at the phrase where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. And I want to suggest to you that really the other two words in this support that first one. I am the way because I bring truth and I bring life. Jesus was in the upper room and he was trying to comfort the disciples. And in this text that Smokey read for us, some would suggest that he was writing his own eulogy for his own, future, uh, his own funeral. He said, I'm going to leave you. And as I leave you, I will not leave you orphaned. I will come again. And when I come again, I will show you where I am going. You know the place where I'm going. And I love it. Thomas raises the question. He wants to ensure uh, that he and the other disciples will, will be able to find the way. And so Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He answers that question clearly. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, basically in me. In the early church, the way they referenced themselves those early believers who were part of a movement, they called themselves the way. They did not see themselves as the way. They simply were saying, hey, we're on the way as Christ is our leader. And so in that New Testament, the reference is made to the early church as the way. Those who were following the way. But here's a question that is posed to us often. Is Jesus really the only way to the Father, to God, to heaven? And we can ask it in a lot of different ways. Don't all religions lead to the same place? Does it matter what we believe when we die? Well, I want to submit to you that it does. Christianity is fundamentally different from any other religion Every other religion, every other non-Christian religion says, you can save yourself. You can earn your salvation if you will affiliate with this group and be about good works. Jesus says, my death on the cross will save you. It's not necessarily what you do, but what's been done. That's what separates the Christian faith from other faiths. Other faiths 
offer good values, and they, they bring before us principles that, that we may want to, to look at in terms of society. But when it comes to salvation, that's the delineation. When it comes to salvation, that's what makes the difference. It would be likened to maybe if you were wanting to fly to Rome and you called a travel agent and you said, look, I want to fly to Rome. Can you get me on a flight to Rome? And there's a pause and you can hear the working of the keyboard and the computer's working. And the travel agent comes back and says, well, I've got one that will go to Sydney, Australia. And and you say, but will it go to Rome, Italy? And the attendant says, no, but it has great in-flight accommodations. And you say, well, I want one that goes to Rome. And the attendant says, well, let's look at another airline. Maybe we can work something out. Well, do they have one that goes to Rome? They have one that goes to Beijing, China. That airport has opened up. There's a lot more openness there. Well, does, does, it, does it go to Rome? No, but this airline gets awards for on-time arrival. And, and so they continue to talk. And you continue to talk, and, and you want to get to Rome. And finally, the attendant wants to close the deal and says... What if I told you all flights lead to Rome? And you hang up. Because you know better than that. Not all flights lead to Rome. And not all paths lead to God. David Platt tells a story about how he was in Indonesia. And he was in front of a Buddhist temple and he was visiting with a Buddhist and there was a Muslim and it was a beautiful site in the sense that there were uh, decorative colors and worship was unfolding inside and outside the temple and he engaged them in a conversation and he said tell me about your faith and they would explain how their religion was very very special and he'd say let me ask you something Uh, how do you feel about that I mean you all have different faiths and uh, do you believe that all roads lead to God? And they said, you know, really, we do. And he said, well, let me, let me put it this way. It, would this be a good image? If, if God were at the top of a mountain or heaven at the top of a mountain and, and maybe you as a Buddhist would travel up one path, but you would ascend to the top of the mountain and, and maybe you as a Muslim would, would ascend up a different side of the mountain, it might take you longer, but you would get there and and, and they said, you know, that's a great image. Exactly. And he said, well, what if, hypothetically, what if God ascended down the mountain and came to you? What would you think? That would be amazing. He said, let me introduce you to Jesus. You see, to reach the Father, you must know the Son. Why is this question so important? Who is Jesus? 
And why is this I am phrase significant? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because it makes an eternal difference. It makes a difference in terms of my own salvation. That Christ would give his life for me and I simply respond. But it makes a difference in terms of our state of being lost. Isaiah says it well. We like sheep have all gone astray. Romans 3.23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we're lost apart from Christ. We've lost our way. Do you know how it feels when you've lost your way? Have you been around someone who has lost their way? I know both. I know what it's like to lose my way. And I've stood in sadness through the devastating consequences of those who have lost their way. And, and as I think about that, you see, this makes a difference because it has to do with not only my eternal life, but my present reality. I, I want to be on the right road. And so Jesus not only came to create a way for us to encounter the Father, to be in relationship with the very one that created us, the great I am. But he also came to give us guidance to make a way where there was no way. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel, is he can take your life, and you may be saying today, there's no way. And God says, through me there is a way. I can lead you out of the brokenness and the dysfunction, and the addiction that is a part of your life, if you will simply trust me. One of the things about this eulogy or this funeral that he writes for himself is he said, look, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm going, but I'll come back and get you. But in the meantime, I'm going to give you my spirit. And so when you feel lost... When you've gone astray, the Spirit of Christ is with us. And the one that is in me is greater than the one that is in the world. Have you felt lost? You know, I think of that old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was clueless. I once was lost. I was far off in a distant land, but now I'm found. Some of us live our lives kind of like that husband and wife, they were on vacation. And she said, baby, I think we're lost. And he said, well, we may be lost, but we're making great time. <laughs> we may be making great time in our state of being lost. And Christ sees that in us. I just wonder if you rolled back time and we could overhear a cosmic conversation between the angels and the archangels. And I just wonder as they observe, as they glorify God and as they observe salvation 
unfolding for humankind. I, I just wonder if these conversations went like something along these lines. One of them says, he created all that is beautiful and anything that has been good, it is of his hands and yet they're lost. Another one says, he sent a text. It's a travel guide. It gives specifics on which way to go. But they couldn't live up to the standard. They didn't measure up. They missed the mark. And another one said, well, we sent emissaries and, and ambassadors, and, and God sent forth Elijah and Jeremiah and Isaiah, these voices in the midst of their wilderness. But they ignored them. And I wonder at just the right time if, if they, well, they went on. They, they said, he even allowed 400 years of silence to step back, and they couldn't figure it out. They were lost. And at just the right moment, he has sent his only begotten son. And he's showing up to lead the way. There was a safari and uh, there was a team that was guiding and there were some villagers who were indigenous to that area. They were uh, close to the village but they knew the land like the back of their hand and, and so the guide was, was helping to move the crowd on through and they were able to see some, some uh, wild animals there in that setting and and they got into a thicket, and it was so dense that you could not even see the light of day. And one of the guys, one of the villagers, had a machete, and he was just whipping it. And he was cutting through the thicket, and he was cutting a path. And, and folks were kind of getting alarmed. I mean, they've, they've seen these animals, and they're going through this brush. And it looks like there's no sense of direction in how all this is unfolding. And one of the more fearful folk from the back said, how are we going to know the way? How does he know the path? And a translator went ahead and translated to the guy, the villager, who was in charge of cutting through. And he said, in his own language, translated back, I am the path. Follow me. And that's for us. As we ask the question, who is Jesus? Can he be trusted? He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's the God where there was no way. He created a way. And get this. If that way demanded a thousand steps for us to encounter God. God has already taken 999. And all we have to do along the way, kind of like what we did out, outside on the front lawn last week, is simply take that step. And then he'll give us the courage to take another one. Because he's faithful to provide that way.
Today, if you've not had the opportunity to invite Christ into your life, we invite you to do that because he really can be trusted. And if we want to know the way for our lives, all we got to do is follow him. For he is the great I am, and he will lead us. Let us pray. God, we, we thank you <laughs> that it's not about ascending to a mountain. It's about receiving your love as you've shown up, as you've come and dwelt in our midst. And Lord, today, this altar is open and we want to respond. If you lead us with your Holy Spirit, that guiding spirit that gives us direction, help us to celebrate how you've come and then we want to commit ourselves to following. And so help us to be open to that spirit. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.